What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Be Shape Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, along with you here on Tuesday, February 23rd, as the Cardinals continued their spring training camp in Jupiter, Florida this morning, wrapped things up a little bit after noon, and that's when we got into the Zoom room with a couple of the Cardinals, and we'll talk a little bit in-depth about one of those conversations on today's episode of the podcast. But before I dive right into it, make sure you subscribe to the show at B-Shape Daily. You can find us pretty much anywhere you're going to look for your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all those kinds of places. So make sure to head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 and find out all the outlets where you can reach us and make sure to hit the subscribe button. You'll be along for the ride for not only the rest of spring training, because we are live here in Jupiter, Florida for a couple more weeks, but you'll be along for the ride throughout the regular season as well. Let's talk a little bit first before we get into the Zoom conversation that was had with Jack Flaherty today, Cardinals starter, uh, over on my Twitter handle, at bshafer12. I posted a video of him earlier today throwing some long toss as he prepared for his first live BP of the season, of the spring season, that is. And he got to see some hitters in the box against him. And he said today on the Zoom that he was excited about getting to see a hitter in the box, but he's more excited for when he gets to face somebody from another MLB team. You know, last year they had the summer camp at Bush Stadium when they had to ramp back up after the spring training shut down in March. And so they ended up facing each other. They got more of that kind of competition than they could ever have wanted, I think. That far into a, into a season, into a summer, when it's July, you're not really eager and anxious to be facing your own teammates anymore. That's kind of uh, a protocol, a practice that you prefer to be confined to the months of February and March, uh, and really just February, because the Cardinals' first game this season of the Grapefruit League campaign is February 28th, this coming Sunday. And so after that, they really, they'll do some of that stuff behind the scenes, um, especially this year because of having to get more innings in than they're going to have available in games because they're only playing a limited schedule due to the COVID protocols that they have down here in Florida, not traveling across the state to play uh, the variety of teams that exist over there, just sticking with the little pod in this Jupiter, Palm Beach, Port St. Lucie area. But because of that, they'll probably be facing each other a little bit more uh, on the backfields than maybe they otherwise normally would. But a lot of the bulk of the competition that uh, Flaherty's gearing up for and the rest of the Cardinals as February eventually turns to March and then March into the regular season, it's for those those games against other teams. So that's what they're working toward. Today, though, we did see some of the live BP going on. Uh, guys like Junior Fernandez, John Gant, Jack Flaherty, What a few that stood out to me today, the the way it works, and I've alluded to it a little bit uh, about the media protocols and and access down here at spring training this year, we have to kind of go staggered in shifts uh, to the observatory watchtower. If you've ever been down to the complex at Roger Dean Stadium, the backfields on the Cardinals side of the complex, uh, there's what's called the quad, the Cardinals quad down here, uh, which basically is an area between that, that kind of juts up against four backstops of four of the backfields. And then there's a tower in the middle of it where you can kind of stand up and have a good vantage point of all the fields. And so that's where they're, they're having the media uh, cover things. But because there's limited space up there, 
we do have to kind of go in shifts. And so today um, I was able to be up there during uh, a few of the the names that I will mention of, of kind of some of the things I saw today. Uh, Jack Flaherty threw his live BP before I got up there, but um, the area that I was in for that was just kind of beyond the outfield wall, which is where I caught uh, the video of him when he was playing long toss leading up to that live BP session. And then I think I took a couple of videos of him during the live BP, but I, I, I honestly don't remember if I even posted any to Twitter. Kind of a, a far away vantage point, so um, out there in the sun, I can't really remember <laughs> everything that I post and the things that I don't post. But uh, he certainly looked okay. I didn't really notice anything significant uh, about his live BP, which is probably for the best. Um, you know, you, you, you sure would like to see uh, swings and misses and things like that, um, which I'll get into one pitcher that did impress with a couple of those against a Cardinals top prospect here in a second. But um, with Flaherty, you know, it didn't seem like he was giving up any hard contact. Couldn't even honestly tell from that far away who he was facing in the batter's box. And so uh, I noticed there was, I think Tyler O'Neill maybe was one guy who uh, had a hit on the left side of the infield that uh, Jeff Jones behind me said, hey, that's a base hit because Tyler O'Neill's got speed. Um, but I don't know if that would have been a ball make it out of the infield. He had a kind of a, a fly ball to center field that was decently hit, but probably uh, certainly caught. It wasn't going over anybody's head. Uh, certainly not any of the outfielders uh, in the Cardinals defense this coming year. You could have Harrison Bader out there in center field. He talked today on Zoom about how he wants uh, to win a gold glove really badly. He's seen Tyler O'Neill do it. He knows that Nolan Arenado is coming to this team, having won something like eight in a row, I believe, for, for Nolan. Uh, and, and Goldschmidt, Yachty, you've got that gold glove expectation on this roster. And Bader, I think, sees himself as somebody who uh, wants to join that that class of, uh, of, of winners. And so it's something he's focused on heading into this campaign. But I think it'll be partially dependent upon how much time he gets in center field. And the bat is going to have to play uh, in order to continue to justify daily playing time rather than maybe turning him into a platoon guy that, that only bats against certain pitchers kind of you know takes more off days uh, with with such a schedule so we'll see how it pans out for him but certainly other guys like O'Neill who could could man center field if needed uh, given that he's a gold glover at a corner spot and is athletic is a speed guy you know he's a guy they put into pinch run when they can I, I was looking through uh, some box scores for a story about Tyler O'Neill today actually for KMOV you can go check that out over on their website now KMOV.com slash sports but I was looking it up uh, because I noticed that he had not gotten an at-bat in last year's wildcard series against the Padres, but he did uh, get inserted into the multiple games uh, as a pinch runner. So uh, certainly he's a guy that, with his speed, can cover a lot of ground in center field. Um, so I, I don't I don't know that that would have been... He may have been the guy that hit it, so it would be awfully difficult for him to have also tracked it down. But talking in generalities, giving you an idea of uh, the ball that... Jack Flaherty gave up to the outfield. Probably a, a an F8 in the scorebook. Um, but I thought he looked pretty good today. Good for the early stage of spring. Hopefully he's able to uh, get on track where he wants to be. But he talked more in Zoom today uh, rather than about how he felt today. That was only just kind of one question that was uh, covered in a, in a 20 to 25 minute span of talking with Jack Flaherty. He talked a lot about and was asked a lot about situations surrounding arbitration because this, of course, was the first time the media has spoke with him since he won his arbitration case against the Cardinals or over the Cardinals. 
solidifying his salary at $3.9 million for the upcoming season. The Cardinals, of course, had countered with $3 million even, and they go through that process, and it's certainly one that has been talked a lot about with regard to Flaherty because you look at a, a player of his caliber, and I think fans can recognize, even years off in the distance, the the way you know the Cardinals often operate with trying to lock down their players early on. There have been countless examples. Paul DeYoung, uh, certainly a guy that's on the roster now that would qualify for that. They, they have done it in, in the past years with players uh, to lock guys down during the prime of their careers before they get to that free agency point. That's definitely uh, been something that has been an organizational position the Cardinals have taken. Now in the COVID era, we'll see if it's different. Uh, but with regard to Jack Flaherty, it's certainly something that people are, are thinking about. And now that he's into arbitration eligibility, he'll have 2022 and 2023 under team control. And then after that, uh, barring any change to his uh, his contract status between now and then, he would be eligible for free agency. And so um, certainly uh, uh, an important part of what the Cardinals do. Certainly still a very young guy with a lot of good prime years ahead of him, and so people are, are natural to wonder whether this arbitration stuff is something that has kind of put a wedge between Flaherty and the Cardinals. He was asked about that today, whether the process, having gone through it, had any negative impact on his relationship with the team. No, I, I don't think it changed my relationship with the organization at all. I mean, from, from the get-go for the past you know, two years, it's, it's always been, you know, Typically, with the process of things, you know, the arbitration process in and of itself is pretty bad. It doesn't account for any type of you know inflation. You're going back on, on look backs on guys five, six, seven years ago where you know salaries have, have gone up, and um, you're still going back on look backs. And then, especially after a year like 2020, where that was a different year, and you're trying to com- you're you know you've got comparisons, and you're trying to go back and. There are guys who, who were hurt, but, you know, it's just not, that was never the situation. It was just a different type of year. So you hear there, no animosity between Flaherty, or from Flaherty, I should say, with regard to how the Cardinals have handled him. Look, I, I'm sure that there is an element, and it was discussed later in the, the Zoom, uh, about, you know, Flaherty pointing out some of these other contracts that have taken place. As a player, you can kind of go one of two routes. You can go uh, the route that a guy like Juan Soto has taken, where he's, going year to year and going through the arbitration process the same way that Flaherty currently is now. Uh, or you can go the the route of Acuna, who got a big deal with the Braves, and then Tatis, who got an even bigger deal uh, with the San Diego Padres just within the last couple of weeks. And, you know, is Jack Flaherty somebody that would, would like to have that opportunity? Sure, I think that would be true, but I, I also don't think he's going to uh, sell himself short if he believes that the the Cardinals aren't in a position to or or aren't willing to go to the level that he believes uh, he would be worth in in such a situation for a for a long term contract. And when it comes to that long term contract, uh, there's something that Jack Flaherty I think is is keenly aware of, and that's the fact that after this year you'll have a new CBA more likely than not. I mean, if not, it means they're not playing. So they're going to have to renegotiate that, and it could change. I don't know that there's going to be sweeping changes to the salary structure and the way salaries are determined for, for players, whether it be 
you know, years one through six, like like pre-free agency, or or whether that gets amended in some capacity that could then, uh, you know, benefit Flaherty in the long run by his, his decision perhaps to wait on a long-term contract before, uh, you know, rather than doing it before that gets settled, that, that new CBA. And so while I think there were comments from him that you could definitely perceive as, you know, he'd like to see the Cardinals offer him the long-term kind of deal. Uh, I, I also think there's an element of, you know, he's 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 gone about this the same way. He's stuck to his guns each and every year. And this was just the first year that he actually had an opportunity for some say-so in the matter and, and ended up emerging with, uh, you know, the salary that he thought he deserved under the structure for this season. And so, uh, you know, you heard his, his gripe with the salary arbitration system talking about, you know, the way this works in these, in these hearings, bringing up look backs to players who, who may not have, have pitched in recent seasons. It may be from six or seven years ago, as Flaherty alluded to. And what's more than that coming off of a 2020 season, it sounds like anyway, from that, that quote right there, that, you know, in this hearing, they're looking at maybe some players who pitched uh, the way I the way I hear that and think about that is comparable to Jack Flaherty's 2020, but, you know, like same number of innings, perhaps similar number of starts, whatever. But then, you know, they're they're pulling these examples from guys who maybe had only half a season or, or a quarter of a season back in 2017 when when they got hurt. And so trying to say, well, this guy earned this based on this kind of performance. Flaherty's performance was kind of similar to that, similar number of innings, whatever. And so we think he, this is what, you know, he should be paid. And Flaherty's saying, look, I, I wasn't hurt. It's, you know, I was, I, it's not that I was unable to, to pitch. I was ready to pitch a full season. COVID happened. That's a totally different situation and something that was outside of his control completely. And then when he does, they, they do bring baseball back and, and, you know, get everything rolling again. Jack Flaherty is probably the guy on on the entire team that they were the most careful with, uh, with regard to trying to preserve his health and not rush him back uh, to to full uh, to be a full go sooner than he would have been ready because of the the weeks that they had to take off in the uh, you know the hotel room in Milwaukee. Uh, talking about after the Cardinals COVID outbreak, you know he he says I wasn't injured, I didn't get sick with COVID, but you know it might as well have been the reason. That, that all of that happened. That being said, Flaherty said he was actually thankful for, to the team for handling him the way that uh, he was handled rather than, you know, try to push him beyond uh, a level of comfort that early after um, the COVID shutdown for the team, the outbreak, they, they were very careful with him. They did, they threw him last of all the five starters. And then when they did throw him, it was on a pitch count. And then the next start was on a pitch count. And I think even the one after that, was on a pitch count. They slowly worked him back up, I think, because they they know that he's, um, you know, a young guy, doesn't have that kind of innings on his arm the way an Adam Wainwright does. They weren't as careful with Wainwright, but that that was, you know, the situation that fit Waino better than than it would have fit Flaherty. So he had no animosity about that. Was was even even said he was grateful to the team for uh, handling him the way that that he was handled because he he recognizes right that his future is at stake. And uh, especially when you're going through arbitration and year to year until you get the chance to sign that big deal, um, certainly an injury is the last thing that you'd want to see. So from that perspective, the idea that you're, you're reading these headlines about the Cardinals and Flaherty going at it in arbitration, and it means that there's an irreparable damage that has been done to the relationship, don't believe that's true uh, based on you know 
knowing the way these these matters work, it's not fun for anybody. You heard him say it sucks. He's not a fan of of the process and, and basically hearing your team kind of uh, try to diminish your accomplishments in a way that allows them to pay you less. Uh, but the Cardinals aren't the only team that are involved in that process. And so I think it's just some general frustration that you hear from Jack Flaherty. But let's go ahead and roll this clip. Uh, Derek Gould asked him straight up. Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch asked Jack Flaherty today if it if it feels like free agency for him is something of an inevitability at this point because of the way that he's been so consistent and wanting to go year to year and even before being eligible for arbitration didn't want to agree to the salary that the, the Cardinals imposed upon him uh, it's been a very uh, regimented plan that he's taken each year he talks about living in the moment but each moment that has happened when it's come to his his salaries and his uh, the financial side the business side of this game throughout the last few seasons he's been pretty much in a consistent spot. So fair question from Derek Gould. And here's what Jack Flaherty had to say as to whether it would be inevitable that he will test free agency when he has a chance to do so here in a couple of years. I don't think anything is inevitable. I'm saying that things are already determined. I think I've looked two years forward and I don't think, like you know me, we stay in the present. We stay in the present moment of, of what's going on right now. Um, that's something that's two years away. So for me to say that, to say yes, it's inevitable means that I've even looked that far ahead. So no, not, not at all. We, we stay right here. We stay in this moment. And, um, you know, again, creative see I can't control what happens at that point. Control right here. I can control this conversation. I don't know what the hell's going to happen right after this or what's going next, but um, that's all we can work on. And that was Jack Flaherty basically saying kind of what I alluded to just a minute ago, that certainly free agency is not a foregone conclusion, uh, but then, you know, editorializing here a bit and taking a step back, it's just going to come down to whether the Cardinals uh, offer him the kind of contract that I think, A, the market will bear for him and he knows it, and B, the type of contract that would would give him uh, not just the security, but an overwhelming amount of security to recognize that it perhaps would be worth it to forego that opportunity in free agency when the 29 other teams, in addition to your former or or the team you're coming from, rather, in addition to that team, all of them would potentially be able to bid on your services. You can explore you know, what the market dictates your worth. In baseball, you got to wait six years of Major League Service time before you get that opportunity, and it's it's something I think these guys uh, certainly don't take lightly. When you when you do what Tatis did and get $340 million, yeah, you're probably not too worried about having left money on the table, but certainly, um, and certainly I think it's different for pitchers. You have to just be cognizant of uh, what the opportunities are and, you know, trying to weigh the, the analysis of, uh, you know, is it worth it to go for this contract now? Should I take what's on the table? Then that's not to say the Cardinals have put anything on the table. I don't know that uh, to be true or otherwise. But uh, you know, certainly where the team is right now financially, um, you know, I know they've they've acquired Nolan Arenado. There was a lot of financial incentive coming from Colorado during that deal, as we've talked a lot about. But they're going to be careful as a team, I think, of signing these mega contracts. Certainly, if anybody on this roster who isn't signed long-term is deserving of one, it would be Jack Flaherty. But definitely off of a 2020 season, my guess is the Cardinals are just currently not motivated to to have those kinds of discussions, right or wrong. It just seems to be my read. 
And Jack Flaherty basically is saying, look, I'm not, it's not something I'm worrying about right now. Um, and I think he knows that if he starts worrying about those things uh, before it's time to, to have those conversations or, or try to control something that he cannot control, which is, hey, maybe he'd like to see the Cardinals give him an offer. But that's not within the realm of his decision-making. That's not something that he has an impact on. Uh, he could certainly ask, but I think right now he's he's more focused on uh, what's immediately in front of him in 2021, and then you know there'll be two two more years after that where he'll have that opportunity uh, to potentially explore something. Uh, and look, the best thing he can do for himself and for the Cardinals uh, inevitably is just just pitch. You know, pitch really well this year, force the issue, win 18 or 20 games, have an ERA about three or lower. Uh, you know, he, perform as one of the elite pitchers in the league. And everything else is going to work itself out. And I think he is well aware of that. And that's what I kind of asked him about. Talking about coming off of a 2020 season where certainly he never felt like he got into a rhythm. Um, while I think he was appreciative of the way the Cardinals handled him, you have to understand that from a, a rhythm standpoint and going out there every fifth day trying to hit your stride as the season goes along, last year was just not conducive to that kind of pitching Uh, you know Jack Flaherty was a guy that in 2019 hit his stride kind of early July and just went off the sheet for the rest of the season and was absolutely dominant that second half that he had in 2019 and so he never really had an opportunity to catch his stride because the season would start you'd have a shutdown where you're in the hotel room and then you're you're going back home you're not playing baseball for a while and then when the games do start up again the Cardinals pitch you last and then you're throwing 35 pitches and then maybe 50 whatever it was and so you know by the time he got really ramped up the season was basically over he said in the wild card series game that he pitched against the Padres where he had such a great start in that final game of the season that the Cardinals lost because they didn't score any runs you know he said he finally felt like himself in that game Uh, but really I think for a, a lot of the season before that Despite the the fact that he did pitch pretty well, by the way, I don't think he was quite himself. And the reason I say he pitched pretty well, and you might say, well, you know, his ERA was like five. I don't think that really, or high fours, whatever it was. I don't think that really was, uh, you know, a very good season from him. I'm telling you, when you, you just want to break it down and you want to look at the box scores and you want to look at the baseball reference page, they'll let you sort by, you know, go ahead and sort his stats before that horrible outing in Milwaukee where he gave up like eight or nine runs in just a bizarro Twilight Zone world game. Uh, the one that Yachty got in, you know, kind of kept yelling and it was didn't want to come out of the game and a whole lot was going on in that game. Uh, take before and after that game and Jack Flaherty's stats for the season look like Jack Flaherty's stats. Like, they look exactly like they, they, they would in any other season. ERA of like 3.2 or something like that. He was perfectly fine, and that was under some circumstances that really just were, were not in his favor with all the things that, uh, again, he didn't get COVID, he didn't get injured, but he was battling all those elements um, that were going on around him. And so I asked him, basically, you look at heading into a 2021 off of that kind of season, being a guy that expects a lot of them out of himself the way Jack Flaherty does, What's he going to be able to do as far as a workload reasonably, right? Because a lot of these guys, and I think this is going to be a, a co- topic of conversation across baseball, but these guys that you know might have thrown 60, 70 innings last year, are they suddenly going to be able to ramp back up to 180, 190, 200? I don't know that that's uh, certainly, maybe it's possible, but I don't know that it's necessarily prudent, um, especially when you, know, you talk about being a, someone that is – acutely aware of long-term health, wanting to preserve himself for the long haul. 
And so how are the Cardinals and Flaherty going to handle that? Here's my question that I asked him in, in his response. Jack, given the limited workload from last year, do you have to, entering this season, kind of continue to temper your own expectations for yourself with regard to workload, uh, keep an eye on long-term health the way you mentioned was a priority before? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure. That's going to be conversations uh, between myself and the team. You know, ideally, we'd just like to go out there and give it treated like a normal year, and we're just going to have to kind of see how things go throughout the season. But, you know, every year, every offseason, you know, for prepare to throw, you know, 200 plus innings and get out there and make every single start and make every single start every five days. And so that's what, that's what the prep has been. That's what the prep work has been. That's what the prep work day in, day out has been for. Um, it's not going to be to, to miss starts or have shortened starts. So that's all, that's all we're looking for. So we'll kind of, I guess that's going to be gauged as the year goes on. But um, in terms of everything else, you know, the prep has been, you know, to approach like a normal season. And apologize, too, if these audio clips aren't going quite as well as maybe they have in the past. I know I've had some some trouble from time to time, but, hey, this year we're on Zoom. We're recording under the uh, environment that we're recording under. I try to fiddle with it a little bit so it makes it a little easier to hear. Uh, but just let me know. You know, you can send me a, a DM, a message or something, at for 12 on Twitter. Say, yeah, I heard it. It was fine. Or, oh, I had to turn it up. But that's okay, too. You know, just appreciate uh, some feedback on what we're doing. Definitely feel like you guys uh, would, would would get enjoyment out of being able to actually hear from the players. It's great to hear me talk, and, you know, I can I can do it for half an hour, 40 minutes at a time. That's just, you know, kind of what I'm used to. But certainly it can be a lot more rewarding, I think, uh, when you're listening and being able to hear from the subjects that we're talking about. You know, the, the players are the reason that we're doing all this. There wouldn't be a game without the players, and so – Obviously appreciative of them for working with us in the media this year and last year as well. Uh, doing the zooms, being available, it's been uh, it's been great that uh, the Cardinals have have continued to make these guys available to us. We're kind of you know it's not like it was where you could maybe talk to a player multiple days in a row, work on you know kind of a longer range story on just getting to know a guy's background and and really digging deep into something. It's a little more difficult. Uh, when when your 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 access is over Zoom rather than being able to hang out in the clubhouse and and, and chat with guys every morning of of spring training, but you know it's it's working out. It is what it is for this year, and hopefully uh, in the future, maybe by late 2021, uh, early 2022, uh, we'll be able to have circumstances a little bit closer to what they were in the past. But you heard Flaherty there talk about it. Uh, you know, he's not totally sure exactly what that's going to look like for his workload. His expectation for himself is to prepare as though you're going to throw 200 innings. My guess is the Cardinals will be a little bit more cautious with him than that. But I would like to see, uh, rather than have to skip starts for him, I think you could start with pitch counts and and, and kind of really ease his way into things. And, and the other thing, too, is use your eyes. You know, Mike Schilt can, can recognize when a guy's laboring and when he's not. And so that might mean sometimes you do have a start that gets cut short because you, you're wanting to save a guy from having that kind of stress. And especially if you've got multiple candidates for a starting rotation now available out of your bullpen because the, the competition contains seven or eight guys and there's obviously only going to be five spots, uh, you can kind of be a little bit flexible, I think, at least early in the season as guys get ramped up because injury is definitely something that you'd want to avoid with your pitchers. I say it, it's going to happen. Guys are going to get hurt, and it's probably going to occur in spring to one of these players that are vying for a spot in the starting rotation. But 
Uh, as a team, you can certainly do everything possible to avoid allowing that to happen. Um, speaking a little bit on the injury front, Kwon Young Kim did not throw a live BP today. He threw a bullpen with some of the other guys that you could consider part of the rehab group, like Miles Michaelis, like Jordan Hicks, and Andrew Miller was over there as well. Uh, Mike Schilt declaring this morning it was just a matter of a veteran who uh, they're, they're taking care of and easing him into camp because uh, he knows what he's doing. Even though he hasn't been in Major League Baseball all that long, uh, he's a guy who's who's been at this for many years uh, in Korea and so knows his body. They feel comfortable with where he's at. Mike Schilt said there's no injury concern with Kim. This is just uh, the status he's on. Time will reveal whether or not that's the case, but I will say in his in his side bullpen session today, got a chance to watch that while I was up in the tower, he was looking like he was throwing full go. Uh, Michaelis didn't really appear to be going full go. Um, you know, more off-speed pitches, breaking balls, didn't didn't ramp up a fastball that I noticed uh, unless it happened early in the, the effort, and I just didn't happen to see it. Uh, but Kim, as far as I could tell, watching him with my eyes, seemed to be okay, uh, seemed to be throwing, you know, with full effort. And so, you know, we'll we'll see as uh, time goes on if there's anything to that. But I would say as of right now, looks like, at least with my own eyes, he looked okay to me. Uh, speaking of another guy who looked okay to me, I said I was going to get into this. The guy that had a couple of nice pitches against a top Cardinals prospect was John Gant facing off against Nolan Gorman. This was one of the times where I'm in the outfield beyond the fence watching from a distance. Uh, but even from that distance, you could tell that John Gant had Gorman fooled a couple of times. Uh, I, again, you wouldn't read too much into just a couple of uh, examples, a sample of pitching versus hitting in, in day one, day two of live BP. Uh, but definitely John Gant, I think more than anything, you know, you're not reading into it thinking, oh, Gorman must not be any good because he swung and missed twice at John Gant's off-speed stuff. I think it's more begs the question, does John Gant, as he mentioned in the other uh, in the Zoom the other day, that he would like to have a chance to be in the starting rotation, does he deserve kind of a longer look for one of those five spots? I would say... I would say he does deserve a look, and I'd love to see him stretched out. I always say if a, if a pitcher is capable, you you want them in that starting role if you can because it's a more valuable role than a relief role. Now, John Gant was very valuable as a reliever last year, but if he's able to, to pitch like that for six or seven innings instead of just one or two, you'd want to see that happen for sure. But with the way the rotation is shaping up right now, you're going to need – not a, not that anybody needs injuries, but I think for John Gant to actually have a legitimate chance to be included in that competition uh, with, with like a leg up and a chance to actually make it, I think it would end up requiring an injury or two somewhere within that group. Uh, but certainly day one, uh, you know, it was his, his first bullpen, live bullpen session of the spring. He looked really good. So liking to see that. And uh, Junior Fernandez was another guy that kind of stood out to me. Looked pretty good facing against uh, Dylan Carlson. I saw one of those at-bats um, look pretty solid as well. So that's kind of the uh, the scoop on day two of full squad workouts at Cardinals spring training. Lots of live BPs, uh, lots of, you know, doing some fielding work. I noticed some uh, infield work. Kramer Robert, Robertson and uh, Delvin Perez were at the shortstop position doing some, some fielding work. 
Uh, Delvin Perez certainly uh, hoping to make a mark is a guy that's a former top draft pick of the Cardinals, um, but just has not established and in, in developed into the kind of player I think the team uh, had hoped certainly from the offensive side of things. And so we'll see now that he's here at spring training, if he gets into some uh, spring training action or not, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how his career develops. But just some of the things that you happen to see down here at spring training in Jupiter, Florida. If you have something you'd like to see me talk about or keep an eye on in the days ahead down here in Jupiter, feel free to leave me a voicemail message that we can play on the podcast. You just go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message, and you can record your own voice, ask anything you want, make a commentary about the team or the show, and we'll try to get it on the podcast in one of the future episodes. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys for joining me once again, and we will talk to you tomorrow from Jupiter.